0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.
1: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince has the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Talk Sport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mick Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mick Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mick Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered, too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18-plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Dramatic pause. A dramatic pause says something without saying anything at all. Dramatic pause. Is a go to for podcasters, presidents, and radio voiceovers. It makes you look really smart, even if you're not. Feet deserve a go to like that. Like Hey Do Shoes. Light, comfy, good to go to. And welcome back to Cottage Talk. This is our post-match show of Fulham's 1-0 victory against Sheffield United. We did a full-time show right after the match. Well, this is our post-match show where we go a little bit more in-depth into the match. And we also have some interesting topics as well. Joining me is Max Cohen. In the bottom square, in the right-hand square, is Claire Parrish. So, guys, before we really go and break down this match, I'm going to start here because, again, I kind of teased this to you before we went live. I have to say this because we're recording this right after this happened. So let's give a big thank you to Manchester United. Max, big thank you to Manchester United. They just helped out Fulham today. Thank you, Marcus Rashford. Thank you, Daniel James. Thank you, Bruno Fernandez. Three to one. And that extends the goal difference between Fulham and Newcastle United. How you doing, Max?
0: Yeah, I'm doing great. Um, my good friend Joe um, is actually a massive Man United fan. So delighted for him, delighted for Fulham. And it's going to be like this for the you know the next you know fourteen or so thirteen matches. I'm going to be rooting for Fulham, and whoever plays Newcastle United, and that's the two teams I'm supporting for the right. That's right. So, that's uh, it, it'll be great. Um, you know, you're, you're going to ask me whether I'm you know Mad Max or Optimus, Optimus Max. I am.
1: Let's go right there. Uh, Are yeah, you I'll- Mad Max or Optimus Max?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm delighted. I'm optimistic. I mean, all really? I I've, I've been consistent on the show that all I needed was a sign from Fulham that they're okay. actually fighting. I think you got one. And and we got we got two wins in the space of six days. And what more can we ask for? You know, I tweeted this after the match, from September to mid February. Right, we won two matches, and in the six day spell in late February, we won two matches. That's all we need to turn around our season. It's getting those wins, getting that optimism back in the side, the belief. You you guys all saw the post match interviews with Parker. Look, there's belief in this team. Absolutely, they said we're only focusing on Fulham, and that's Let's right. Be honest. I like that. The points have been there. We just weren't getting that extra factor. And I was just so delighted for Lookman. He's had a tough spell of matches when he's been playing decently, getting good positions, but just not finishing. He deserved that goal as much as anyone else in terms of the attacking creativity he brought. And we need a player like that who can take an otherwise nil nil match and turn it, you know, on a sixpence. And he did that superbly. And I just can't wait to talk more about a win. It, It doesn't happen very much with us this season, but we have two, again, and I said in a week. And, yeah, can't wait to do it.
1: Okay, and when we talk about that goal, it wasn't just about him, and you know that. It was also about the great pass from Anderson. We'll get to that in just a bit. Claire, you're usually positive just like me, so I want to get your opening view of the match. You and I actually, we chatted about an hour before the match. I told you I was a little bit nervous because I, I just saw all the pressure, I believe, was put on this one match playing Newcastle – I'm sorry, Ooh, there's a little slip there <laughs> – playing Sheffield United that, again, this was – so much was put on this, and I thought maybe maybe there was a w- way too much pressure put on one match. But you know what? The team stepped up. I did think that they came out a little tight, and maybe the pressure was – maybe they were feeling it a little bit. But they got into the match. Something happened in halftime because they were a d- different team in
2: mm. the
1: second half. Just give me your opening view.
2: Yeah, well, like say, so, you know, we, we had this conversation uh, an hour before the game and our concern was very much that it's going to be the way we come out. And if yes. we come, come out, you know, nervous and afraid to create anything, to make any chances, you know, to, to do anything a little risky, um It could go horribly wrong. And, you know, my fear was that if we went out like little tiny birds, not big, brave lions, we would, uh, you know, we could easily come a cropper in the first 10 minutes and let one or two goals in. Yep thankfully once that 15 minutes sort of passed and i thought oh you know we we're, we're holding our own here we're doing all right we're in control we're controlling this game it it felt good and you know what we saw was the team that actually have confidence in themselves yeah um and i think that's so lovely to see because you know the players as individuals do get some stick on social media that's putting it politely that has to you know be in the back of their heads a lot especially yep. going into you know the big games like these ones and um, so you know for them to go out being pretty big brave lions was it was great to see and you know it is that belief in themselves it is that confidence in them as individuals but in their place in their part of the team that you that is that you can see that there and i just thought we came out you know completely in control of what we were doing from, from, from the very beginning, Okay, uh, you know, it, it was a little bit tentative at first, but it was still controlled.
1: That's a great way to put it because uh, I put this up last night and I'll share it with you guys now. Cause I want to ask you guys a question because I thought full played not to lose in the first half. Now you put an interesting spin on it. Was it a controlled play? And I agree with that, but I don't think it was, taking enough risk. I thought it was playing it safe. And actually, guys, I'm going to ask you this. Max, first half reminded me of Parker Ball. Parker Ball (laughs) returns. Now, to Claire's point, was it more of a control, let's just get to the half, kind of old school Scott Parker from last season? Or did they play a little scared? Your thoughts, because she thought that they were in control, that they weren't playing with confidence, but they were playing it safe, I
0: thought. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad he brought up Parker ball because that it reminded me <laughs> of a championship match in many senses. See, I mean, that's I mean, how it so. felt to me. Yeah, it felt like I was watching them uh, in in the second tier because let's just be clear from the start, Sheffield United oh, were just were awful. They were like, horrible. really really poor, and you know Chris Wilder, I think a lot of Sorry, people Chris Wilder, Your team was horrible. But they, they were terrible, and not, they did kind of spark into life after the, we scored. To be fair, but there was just no intent from them, no, and it very no. much reminded me of the Everton match in a way of just like there was really only one team in it. Yep. For an hour, um, but we didn't take advantage of the way I thought we would. You know, as Claire mentioned, it was controlled, but I did feel like we just wasted the first forty-five minutes in terms of feeling them out. And you know, it was bio to Anderson. It reminded me of flashbacks of you know room deck. Oh. <laughs> oh, back and back and back. And, and I was I felt just the pretty, same way, Max. I was getting frustrated because there weren't really any clear-cut chances. I thought Ramsdale was you know called into action, but mainly just a tip over. You know, wayward crosses. It wasn't really any. Good on target chances. Much in the way I think the first half at Goodison Park went, but I think what we're seeing in this team, which is impressive in the last in the, the wins we've had recently, is that we start the second half with our foot on the gas, and that's a really big point. I think that completely can, different team. Yeah, because I can criticize Parker for maybe not sending out his players aggressive enough to start the match, but you have to give him credit for what happens at the halftime interval. Absolutely, they came out a new team. Um, but I do think it was a little bit of park ball, you know, a lot of sideways passing, not a lot of shots on target. Um, but, you know, you cannot fault that we got the win in the end. And that's really all that matters now.
1: And that's going to go to what I also mentioned last night. Claire, And I said this to you, full went ugly, but who cares? Really, in the end, w- w- listen, we're going to analyze the match. We're going to break it down and we will criticize. But in the end, it was all about getting the three points.
2: Yeah, that's 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 exactly it. That's all that counts. And, you know, at the end of the day, we have watched some really blimming, horrible, boring matches and come away disappointed. I can sit and watch 90 minutes of boring, horrible Fulham if it ends up with three points. I can also watch us lumping passes up the field and putting them right over the terraces. As long as we win, I don't right. care. That we could play in clown costumes and win. I, I wouldn't care. <laughs> just need to
1: win. <laughs> okay. Very good. Very good. All right. Guys, before we get and talk about the starting 11, the 18 overall, I just want to get your biggest takeaway from the match. We'll go around the room. I'll start with you, Max. What's your biggest takeaway to come out of this match? At the very end of the show, I do have some topics that we will save for the end that deals with Newcastle. but. Biggest takeaway to come out of the, this match from a form perspective for you?
0: I think it's Luckman's goal because if he can be a player who provides goals from the left side of midfield, it'll be such a valuable asset heading into the run in. Now, as I said in like past weeks, we can't just rely on Magia. You know, we can't just rely on, you know, Mitrich. The striker can be the main source of goals, but he can't be the only one scoring. Um, and it was just really nice to see Luckman chipping in because yep. he gets in really great positions, but we haven't seen the finishes recently. Um, and, and the fact that he scored. Could be the, I mean, that gives him confidence, you know, strikers and wingers are very, you know, hot and cold players. Once one goal's in, one goal goes in, it seems to flow. You know, everyone likes to bring up the Panenka penalty, and I think he's re- responded really well from that, but I think that did weigh on him because all everyone wants to talk about whenever you're looking at anything, Panenka, West Ham. So if you can shift that mentality and think of that, I great think he strike, redeemed
1: himself. Yeah,
0: for sure. Um, and also it's, it's a sense that this isn't even a tactical thing or even a tangible thing, but, turning the, the draws into wins, right? It, everyone, yeah, of course. Not rocket science again. It's like everyone yeah. knows that's what we need to do. But just felt different. You know, against against West Ham, I'd argue we played better against West Ham than we did against Sheffield United. Yep, But we didn't get that final goal, and I, you never really felt confident we'd break their back line. But against Sheffield United, just getting that goal in, you know, just doing that extra bit of luck in the final third. and yep. know, Luckman gets tackled and falls through with it. Or just getting it right through Ramsdale, Ramsdale's legs when it could have just gone right, right to him. He it, it went for power. And it just it feels like some the tide's turning. Yeah. Uh, in the same way the, the Everton match felt fortunate that we got some lucky breaks and the rebound fell right to Maja, et cetera. You know, football is a game where you get your luck and you get hot and cold spells and it just feels like momentum is shifting. And this isn't like an analytical thing. You know, you can't no. say we did this. I, I, I don't think the tactics were massively different, but there's more belief now and I think players will start playing with more confidence.
1: Right, and Emilio said this last night, Max, and then Claire, I'll go to you and get your biggest takeaway. Don't Fulham deserve some luck, honestly, because there have been so many situations, and we'll talk about what happened with Areola later on in the show, okay? But when I look back at that, I can think of the other situations that have gone against Fulham. So I think everything has a way of evening itself out, and you could argue you make your own luck by playing well and – uh Honestly, they deserve some luck, Max.
0: 100%. Because let's think about the VAR decision that went against us at St. James's Park. Exactly. I'd you know, I, I go right to that. Yeah, But to be fair, I, I don't think it was a penalty. I'm sure we'll talk about that later yeah. on. But yeah, we'll talk I could it. see how it would be given. You know, I, And we've seen them given in, in these have. situations. And it would have been just But they made a swift decision, but we'll get there. Yeah, We'll get there. But you're right. I think there's so many matches we've played this season when oh, we were the better side. We created so much and yeah. came away empty-handed maybe the tide's turning and, and we're going to start, you know, doing some smash and grabs or just playing ugly, as you mentioned. Again, but really, I don't
1: care. You know, yeah. at this point, really, it doesn't matter how it looks as long as it's three points, Claire. And I, I want to get your thoughts on making your own luck and, and let go in Fulham's way because over the course of the season, I think that Fulham haven't had their share of luck enough. I mm. think this match, it kind of went their way, finally, that they got some luck.
2: mm Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't I think we're we're great as football supporters in general of bemoaning that we haven't had the luck that you know, your big your big teams have had. And I think, you know, as a full of, from I think the minute we went up to the Premiership in whatever year it was um gosh, what was it 2001 something like that? I can't remember. Um we no, what was it? In the late 90s. Anyway, my memory's rubbish, excuse me. Um, You know, I think we've always moaned it. We go to my nan's after football, after every home game. And every home game I can remember, certainly against the big teams, it's, we're never lucky, we're never lucky. (laughs) And, um, you know, it does feel now that there is a little bit of luck on our side. Absolutely. A little bit of fortune. And it's almost like that sort of pinch me, Thing because it doesn't happen to Fulham. It doesn't no. happen to little old Fulham. <laughs> Usually we're all in my family on our WhatsApp groups and what have you, we're all bemoaning the rest. The <laughs> officials hate us. Sky Sports <laughs> hates us. Everyone <laughs> hates <laughs> us. And, and actually, it's, you know, I know we're going to talk about the 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 areola thing later, yep. but it does feel that there is some someone looking over us. There That's is right little guardian angel sitting above Craven Cottage watching over us and it's nice it feels nice that it has happened because there have been times where you know the the, some of the things that have gone against us plain bad luck for no one's you know no through no one's fault um, And, you know, even you could talk about, is, is it bad luck that we've had some players that have been a bit naughty and broken the COVID rules and all that? Is that bad luck or is that them being burks? You know, it, it, there's a lot of things that have gone against us. And just now it's like, well, hang on a minute. We do have a fairy godmother. She's here. She's got her wand and she's waving that 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 fairy dust around. And it feels good.
1: Okay. Excellent there, Claire. And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting because we talk about luck and things going against you. How about the situation with Liverpool going off of Kamara? We could talk about that. What if the ball goes just a little bit in a different direction? Who knows? You know, mm-hmm. and that didn't go foam's way. And we, we can talk about that another time, but that's kind of where I'm going that sometimes luck does follow you when things are going better for you and it just mm-hmm. kind of snowballs from that and yeah. things have have a way of evening itself out. So it's funny because uh, I knew a lot of the talk guys was going to be about the aerial situation by the media and also on social media. I knew that was going to be, and I tried to say my piece on that, that again, put more of the focus on the actual match because mm-hmm. Fulham were the better side, Mm -hmm. We can talk about that all you want. You can, you can moan and groan all you want about that. But in the end, Fulham were the better team. And honestly, Sheffield United didn't deserve anything from that. So that's the way I look at it. Mm -hmm. But over to you, Claire, your biggest takeaway. We talked about Max's. Give me yours. What do you take out of this match?
2: I think you know Max sort of said what was what my thoughts were in terms of the confidence not talking about one specific player. But just that belief, that confidence is building. Every match we go into, and we're in control of it, and we get something out of it. That confidence is building, and yeah, Max. You know, you said about Lutman and obviously, you know, his own personal confidence building from from that. And you know that you know the penalty, what penalty? You know that. Was, <laughs> who cares about that now? Um, but it is just that confidence in the team. And I think that's the biggest takeaway for me is we're building week on week. We're building. And I think that that's the biggest takeaway for me is the fact that, you know, we could have gone out there as little cowards, but we didn't. And, you know, we're going to build on that for next week and the week after and the week after that. That to me is the biggest.
1: Okay, excellent. I kind of already said my biggest takeaway and that's I don't care if we went ugly. That That's really it for me. I, I don't care. It's about the three points. It's about going up the table and catching a team that's in front of us. Now, there are a couple of teams that are now closer to us, which is funny Mm -hmm. because I know we're all focused on Newcastle. But there are other teams that, you know, again, they still need to gather points too. So it just makes things a lot more interesting from week to week. And we're going to be in this each and every week, guys. We're going to be talking about the teams around us. Can we catch them? And uh, in a way, it's fun. In a way, it's nervy, though, but you know what? That's what this is all about, Uh, being a foam supporter. I've learned that from the beginning of my journey on on the great escape. That's (laughs) why, you know, and again, I hope this is a different version of that, meaning I hope foam continue to win and take that situation and, and get out of the bottom three, but it could be another great escape. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay, guys, let's now turn back to the match and let's focus on the starting eleven and the eighteen overall. Max, your thoughts when you saw this an hour before the match.
0: There are actually a fair a fair few changes in there. Um, there were. You know, Tete drops out, Ina goes to right back, Robinson comes in, Lamina drops out Franguisa. Yes. No decad over read there. Some
1: very interesting moves here.
0: Cavalera starts. So actually it's chopped and changed quite a bit, which I think was necessary given that, you know, the team that played against Everton played against Burnley, the exact same team. So they they needed yep. a rest, I think. Um I thought it was a good call to bring Angus back. I was a bit frustrated by his finishing, but I thought generally he had a good game. Yep. And I, I think Tete might feel a bit aggrieved to be dropped because I don't think he's been I think he's been quite good um at right back, but interesting to see Robinson back. I don't think he had the best but game. That's but does not talk more yeah. about how Ana is playing. Yeah, Aina's played well. Um and he had a couple of really nice bursts forward from right back. So he, he can he did. can be that attacking option. Um I think it's good that we have depth that we can kind of swap those players. That's we have right. Depth. Joe Bryan and you know Tete could be coming off the bench. That's a good situation to be in. Um, and I think Cavalero starting, he was bright in many situations. He made things happen. It's just the final final ball is never there for him, and he's just shooting over, crossing over, shoot, making the wrong option. But honestly, I, I don't the hate decision it.
1: making. is I don't not hate the greatest. it.
0: I I really could go either way with him. A decade of Reed because okay. I do think Cavalero. Was energetic and he, he does if everything. If you're asking you me, I would
1: rather have Bobby DeCadova read, Reed, but I understand. But yeah. I see the value that Parker can see in him because yeah. he does offer a decent amount. It just he just can't finish, and I do question some of his decision making. Max,
0: but I think on the wing, it's a lot more palatable than him starting up front. So I okay, that's a good point. You can you can give it me. Where do you that.
1: put him? If you put him yeah. in a better position to succeed, if you put him as your main striker, you're that's not a good place for him. Centrally.
2: Yeah. Mm.
1: Okay. Okay. Over to you, Claire, your thoughts on the starting 11. Were you surprised by some of the changes?
2: No, I mean, Max, you've pretty much said what was on my mind. You know, I think having the, if we had had the players again, who had started with the, with the previous two, they would have been exhausted. And I think it would have set us up for a full straight away. I think, you know, having the freshness there, big, big calf, um, it did make me raise an eyebrow. I was like, really? But actually, you know, I'm with you, Russ, you know, his, um, some of his decision making at times is just, you know, (laughs) moments, but, you know, he creates something out there. And God love him. I wish that little fairy godmother that's, over us right now I wish she could wave her wand and give (laughs) Cav his scoring boots but that's not gonna happen but do you know one thing and I said this to Flissy last last night when we were in the game with Cav he tries and you cannot knock him for that he that's a great point 100% and yeah okay he's giving
1: you everything that he has it might not be at the level that we want it to be but it's not from a lack of trying
2: a hundred percent. And I wanted to get that in there because, you know, a lot of people are quite unpleasant about him and he does, he gives a hundred percent. Bless him. He really does. And you can't knock him for that. Um, but, you know, I, overall, I was happy with the team. I, I, I was disappointed by Robinson yesterday. I thought. I and thought I've seen I- some
1: comments about his play and when yeah. once he has returned, Since Mm. the suspension, he hasn't been the same player, guys, Mm. for whatever reason. And I've been Mm. a huge advocate of his because I see Mm. his ability, but his crossing isn't good enough. Mm. He certainly is very good going forward. Uh, Defensively, I don't think he's as solid as our other fullbacks. So Mm. that's what makes this interesting. But I Mm. see his potential. Mm. I just don't know why we haven't seen the same player. It's a good point. Max, why do you think we haven't seen Robinson – the way that we have seen him before the suspension. Do you think maybe mm-hmm. that has weighed on his brain or something that he's, you know, again, maybe thinking too much out there. What What are your thoughts about why Robinson hasn't played at the same level after the suspension? It's, it's a very interesting topic here. I'm curious your view on that yeah. because he's not the same player right now.
0: Yeah. I don't really have a great uh, answer. Cause I don't really know what's going on per se, but a theory could be, when he was in the side before the Chelsea were sending off, he was left wing back in a back five. Now he's slotted back into a back four. Okay. So he maybe he has more defensive duties and he doesn't have the luxury of that third center back there. Just a theory. And also I think it, it, it might affect your confidence. Like you're playing well, you're in the groove, you get sent yeah. off and you, you do feel bad, you let the team down. That's a theory. But just one more note about starting 11, yeah, go um, ahead. which is remarkable. You look at that team, it's a completely new back five from last season. And Harrison Reed and even Cavalero are the only two players who played any role, who played any role at all um, in, in that championship season last season. And, Gisa and Harrison player, Reed yeah. as they said was the only one that started. Yeah. Which is just remarkable. Finals. And yeah. I do think we need to take a step back and realize like having nine out of the 11 players being transfers or essentially, you know, I'll count in Gisa because it wasn't your last season. Sure. Nine out of the 11 being new players. What does that do to a dressing room? What does that have to do to a manager? And I think we need to give Parker a tremendous amount of credit. Mm -hmm. So many teams, when they get promoted, it's that same core they stick with. And I think you'd point to Leeds. That was what Burnley have done very successfully. Sheffield United did it last year. Sheffield United. Obviously not doing it this season. And and we've chopped and changed, but it's all the necessary changes. Mm -hmm. And it's finally paying off right now in February. Mm -hmm. But what's
1: interesting, and I'm glad that you brought this up, and it's a very interesting point, goes back to something Claire said. I think this team is galvanized around Parker that they have bought in. Yeah. Because if you listen to Adam O. Lookman after the match, that actually I thought was striking what he had to say. He's just looking at Fulham. They're focused on Fulham. They're not focused on the other teams around him. They might in the back of their minds, but they're not saying it out loud. They're they're all focused on the duty at hand, the job at hand each and every match. That starts with Parker and they're all buying in. You can see it and and uh, I've said this, Claire, this Fulham side is very likable to me. I know a lot of these players are loans and uh, coming from different situations, but it seems like they've all come together, and I do like this team. I really do. Mm-hmm. And I do hope that we do stay in this division because I'd like to see a lot of these players stay with Fulham because yeah. I, I just like the way it all fits. I like the way that they're playing. I wish the finishing was better, obviously, but I do like this team, Claire. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and actually, that's another thing Felicity, um and I was saying last night, because she said, who's your favourite player? And I reeled off about six or seven of them. <laughs> well, that should tell you I something. I like them all equally. Usually, I have a standout. And I think being not in the terraces, I don't this season as well. But actually, I like them all because I can see they everyone's value. You know, there's not one... They're all
1: playing a role. These a are, a lot yeah. of them are, are role players, all mm. playing a role. Yes. And again, when I look at teams, I just watched a match with Newcastle United that you can just tell they rely heavily on mm. Callum Wilson when you take him out. Zaha, when you take him out mm. of Crystal Palace, when you took t- took out Calvert-Lewin out of Everton, they're not the same. Full need better finishing, obviously, but this is a true team. And I yeah. think that, to me, is why I think they can withstand some of the issues that they have better than other teams, mm-hmm. better than potentially Newcastle United because I think they are really up against it without having Callum Wilson. They, to their credit, I watched the match, and I thought they fought hard against Manchester United. But, again, I think it, that loss really hurts them. And mm-hmm. But I think we're in a completely different situation, Max. Mm-hmm. We're a team that's built together to fit together. And I Mm -hmm. couldn't say that two seasons ago. When you look at the players, I I would say, do these players fit? I think these players fit. And what's great about it is that you can mix and match. We just went through the starting 11 and there were changes because you have these pieces of the puzzle that Parker can mix to get the right formula for each match. And I think that's important. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think what needs to be said again is when a lot of, you know, observers who aren't film supporters look at what happened in 2018, 19, their immediate, You know, critique is, oh, Fulham spent 100 million pounds. They changed the squad They go right to that. But however, my take is, and I think you guys will agree with me, it's we didn't change the squad enough. Look how many matches a Tim Ream and a Doi played, right, at center back in 2018-19. And this year, thank God, Hector ream getting nowhere near the starting 11. It wasn't that we didn't do – it's not that we did too much that season. So we didn't do enough. And I agree we brought in the wrong players. But it shows that – and listen, Tony Khan divides opinion – you have to give him a mass amount of credit, and I think I can I can say both things at once. I can say the fact that we didn't have a striker until January. Another one was a disgrace, but what he's done with that back that back five I mean, Areola he should be a keeper playing in Europe. The oh, Champions I of football hands down. Anderson, bio. I can make the argument they're the best center back pairing in the in the bottom half of the table. I mean, our and our defensive stats show that out, um, and the fact that you know we've got in Ana. You know, on, on cheap. Tete, te- cheap. Robinson, cheap. cheap. It's a great job in buy transforming I mean, a squad. Going, you know. Yeah, so I think we really need to give credit where it's due because this mm-hmm. team needed a massive overhaul in the summer. We've gotten it. And it probably makes sense that it's taken about, you know, six or so months longer to get them to finally click because they weren't playing at all together um, yeah. until the fall.
1: Well, mm-hmm. look at what happened at the beginning of the season. We could talk about that because you look at that team that played against Arsenal to the team that we're seeing now – they're two completely different teams, and you said it, Max. It needed an overhaul, and unfortunately, it took time, and that was my concern, the, the the quick turnaround. I just thought it was going to be hard, and this was a little bit predictable that they were going to struggle from the get-go. Did I think it would be where we are right now? I, I hoped it wouldn't be, but I feared it. I feared it because of I knew that they needed to change – Many players. I, I, knew that, I knew that there were a lot of players there that just weren't good enough for the Premier League when we were coming back two years later. So it took some time. But, again, I look at the team, and I think that the players all fit together. Now, they're going to need those special moments because you can play together as a team, but you need those creative players that can make the difference. That's going to be the difference. It's not going to be defense. It's not going to be to playing together as a unit. It's going to be those special moments. They're going to need players, as you said, Max, like a Lookman, like a Masha. And I will say this, like Mitro, because they need Mitro. They -hmm. need Mitro at some point to come in here and be a part of this. Okay, I think he can play a part of this. So, again, they need players to step up and score those goals. That's what they're missing. One goal, a match is just not going to cut it. They're going to need more goals. That's the problem. When we talk about some of the topics... At the end of the show, when we talk about losses and draws, that's going to be, for me, what is the difference with some of these teams? They're scoring more goals than full, And we'll talk about that when we get to the second half of the show. But coming up next, we're going to break down the first and second half, go to Man of the Match, and we have some extra topics for the end of the show. Okay, guys. Let's talk about the first half. You know what? I wish we didn't have to talk about the first half because I was a big fan of it. But you know what? We should talk about the first half, so Max, I'll go to you first. And uh, you know, when you look at it, and I'll put this graphic back up again. This is just my opinion, phone play not to lose in the first half. They, as Claire said, and, and I thought Claire did a nice job by saying that maybe it was a controlled play that they were just feeling their way in, but it really truly was ball. When you talk about the first half, you do have some opportunities in the 16th minute, you have a shot by Angisa, 18th minute, you have a shot by Lookman. 19th minute, you have the shot by Ruben Loftus Cheek. So, we are creating opportunities. In the 35th minute, you have that shot by Cav, and then you have another one one minute later. And then even Harrison Reed, and I like the fact that Harrison Reed is shooting more. 42nd minute. And then the 45th minute, you have the header by Ruben Loftus Cheek. What's interesting about all these opportunities that I'm mentioning here, guys, is that they are taking more shots. And I do believe that they are now instructed. This is just my opinion, to shoot more. And I don't have an issue with that. Are these quality opportunities? Some, yes. Some, no. But I just mentioned some opportunities. But overall, there was really no cutting edge in the first half, Max. Your thoughts of Fulham's first half?
0: Yeah. And I'd agree with what you said about the quality of the chances. I think almost everyone you listed off there was from outside the box. Yes. So it shows that you know Sheffield United kind of had that defensive line on their eighteen-yard box, and didn't let us really go further or penetrate. And it was just all kind of shots in front of them, which is very easy for the opposition to defend. And nothing really troubled Ramsdale. I think probably one of the best chances was Loftus Cheek's header. I think he should have done a lot better. I think put it on target because he jumped well, got essentially a free look at it. Um, Yeah, but apart from that, it was just very frustrating because so much of the passes seemed to go either sideways or backwards. I was getting annoyed at times with Harrison Reed because I just felt like he was doing kind of the Scott Parker as a player, kind of pirouette, just turning around and going back for no reason, even when he didn't really have pressure on him. Um, right. And Aguisa wasn't playing. It was just so slow, you know, the announcer said. Yeah. It was just, there wasn't that intensity. I feel like this the exact uh, last 15 seconds of what I just said, you can copy and paste that, watch back what I said in the championship last season, and you'd find something very similar. Yeah, um, exactly. So th- that's, that's the difference. And let's, let's talk about Sheffield United, though. Don't think they had an entire shot on the entire nope. first half. It was just there for the taking. You know, they are just a team who I think that's not what was lacking so at any admission. Yeah, and and we didn't quite pin him down enough. I think that was the, the reaction on Twitter was. I know you're trying to stay off social media, Russ. I applaud that. I
1: did. I did. I, I wasn't on during the match, by the way. I stuck by good, that.
0: Good, definitely made you happier because I was looking at the stuff and on Twitter at halftime. It was just like we've just wasted a half of football against the worst team in the league. What are we doing? Um, <laughs> I didn't and want to see it. That's true, um, but then again, we'll talk about the improvement. We half will,
1: half. we will. Claire, you kind of already gave your thoughts on the first half, but you know, watching the match with with you and your daughter, what were you seeing in the first half? Um,
2: you know, just uh, listening to Max there, you know, and I said, you know, it, it, I think we we played in a controlled way. Whether we did that, and I was just thinking about this just now, Max, while you were talking, is whether we did that as a slightly psychological advantage, maybe, to go out there and say, you know what, we're not going to let you have much of this ball. We're not going to let you have much of this game. We're going to go do our thing. We're going to have a bit of a knock around. You wait to the second half and see what we unleash then. I don't, you know, maybe it was a little bit of a tactical thing, we yeah we're not great at putting the ball in the net everyone knows that people who don't even follow football like my mum god love her she knows that um but you know the fact that we just did have that control does that give a slight psychological advantage going into the you going into half time for the yep. team, you know the opposition to be thinking how are we going to get the ball how are we going to score who knows
1: that's a very interesting way to look at it because you the way Fulham played, and and I, I want to mention this, this is from our friend Tony Gold, because this is kind of how I felt about it, guys. First half simple. Two teams playing with a lot to lose, and I think that's how I felt watching it. It's like they, they weren't willing, I'm talking about Fulham, and of course the same thing with Sheffield United. They were not, they were so passive that they were, like, I understand what Claire's getting at, that this also reminded me of so many championship matches, just get it to the half, but this team was there for the taking but it almost was like they just did not want to take the risk to make a mistake to cause something bad to happen when they got to the second half. So again, I I agree with Tony here. Two teams playing with a lot to lose. Max, your thoughts?
0: I actually disagree with that. I think Sheffield okay. United are down I think mean, they know they're down. I was surprised, you know, they didn't play with more, you know, freedom in a way. I, I I just I only saw one team really playing that first half. So right, I agree with that. Uh, but I I think yeah, Fulham were playing cautious. They didn't want to be, they didn't want to be exposed. But the counter kind of argument to that is Sheffield United showed nothing, to even that even trouble us in that first half. I think Claire um Claire's been getting some uh, post match chips from Scott Parker because that's almost exact. <laughs> I feel like we have Scott Parker on the show with us. He's a great defense of the tactics, and I, I think you made some really great points there, Scott. Um, no, I, I definitely see that because wait a minute—you just called her Scott. Yeah, no, for sure. It could be, it's, okay, it's, park, it's parkable. Um, okay.
2: I'm his PR person. Yeah, it's good. It's good. <laughs> but Um,
0: and I see those merits. The one thing I would say is like I just the the, the longer it stays nil nil, I think. Yeah, I would actually say the opposite. The more belief Sheffield United has, well, see that's what concerned me. Um, but hey, it worked out for us. So you know, I, I can't quite question it that much because we hope we, hope we got the win. So.
1: Okay. I'm going to share this comment from David Wilkins play conservative, but it seemed we tried to stretch United somewhere to what we did at Ever- Everton in the first half. But again, like Everton, we didn't, we didn't capitalize on that situation, but again, it was a completely different second half. So let's transition guys. Cause I'd rather talk about the second half because the first half, <laughs> you know, again, let's move on from that because the first half was just the first half, but the second half again, Let's start right here, Max. I'm going to go right to you because I I want to talk about the opportunity here because I've already said that this player was my man of the match, and that that is uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. But I'm going to talk about the opportunity here. He had a great opportunity in the 53rd minute because let's go right there. Great chance to score, but it's cleared. But it just showed his potential, this move. But – I'm thinking to myself, he needs to score here. Your thoughts on the opportunity in the 53rd minute from Ruben Loftus-Cheek? I think I fell out of my chair at that point <laughs> because I could not believe he didn't score.
0: Yeah. it was. I, he does everything so well in the build-up play. I mean, the one-two. That's twos, the crazy part the of The fact that he sticks with the ball, gets a lucky bounce, but falls through with it is always the one who's positive, trying to get the chance off. And then he's just threw on goal and has the weakest, laziest swing of the left boot at it. You know, my dad calls uh, Loftus Cheek the gen- the gentle giant because he's just, <laughs> he's so skilled and he's a really big guy. That's actually but a good way to look at it. The gentle giant, I like that. Yeah. He's no cutting edge. He's the most toothless player I've ever seen in the final third because he possesses the skill to get there.
1: Um, he has the body, he yeah. has the stature, yeah. everything. And
0: what's weird is so the announcers kept saying, Oh, he's tremendous abilities, techniques amazing.
1: Yeah. They kept I saying, I really,
0: that. I really want to disagree with that. I think his shooting technique is abysmal. I think at least with really, us it
1: has been very,
0: very poor, like actually yeah. awful. Cavalier-esque in the sense that once he's in the <laughs> final third, either wow. he's leaning back and shooting Rose Ed or he's placing the softest pass in the world to the keeper or he's shooting wide. I mean, it's that that's just poor technique or composure. I don't know what it's down to. Um, But you really thought that that would be the moment because we started off kind of pitting Sheffield United and you notice the possession that led to that. We're yep. on the edge of their 18-yard box instead of kind of passing around at the halfway line or an hour and a half. Right. We moved it, and I think that's kind of what Claire and Scott Parker would say is that we step it up second half and we kind we of did. camp out outside of the 18-yard box, and that's much more effective.
1: Right, and then you could just see Fulmer being a lot more assertive. I think that's a good word to say in the second half, and it, and it, it continued. But I do want to mention before we talk about the goal, and Claire, I'm going to give you the chance to talk about the goal in just a couple of minutes. But in the 55th minute, you do have, again, the first decent opportunity from. Sheffield United from Billy Sharp, it goes over in the 55th minute. That made me a little bit nervous right after the situation with Ruben Loftus-Cheek. It would fit full and that they would give up a goal right after that. But then we have the goal in the 61st minute. And What's great about this is we're talking about going forward. We're talking about being more assertive. I don't think you can be more assertive, Claire, than Joachim Anderson, Anderson's pass to Adam o. Lookman. And uh his goal, again, uh, fantastic goal. Can we just see more of this, Claire, from Adam Lookman? But also, I want to even see more of this from Joachim Anderson. He has mm-hmm. this in his locker. He has it. We've seen it. This was a wonderful pass. This was, oh. again, direct right to Adam Lookman, and boom, goal. Match yes. changes right there, and they needed that badly. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, Russ, you've you've just taken the words out of myself. It was just the most beautiful pass. It really was, and in actual fact, in a way, I know it's a really silly thing to say, but in a way, the pass was more beautiful than the goal.
1: <laughs> I would it, agree with that.
2: It, it was just quite magical, wasn't it? The way it, just, it was,
1: it was perfect.
2: It was majestic, wasn't it? It just landed majestically um, for Lookman. Um, and actually, I have to say, I was watching it, and I had Felicity beside me who um, was doing some sewing on her sewing machine. And um, so I was sort of, I'm watching the game, and you know, I'm just looking at Felicity, and making sure she doesn't have a needle through her finger or what have you. And uh, <laughs> and we scored, and I was, I I see the, I saw obviously the pass from Anderson, and then we scored, and I sort of blanked out. For so the, the, the bit that Lookman's foot connected to the ball and we scored. And I said, It happened so fast. We just scored.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and I think being a Fulham supporter, you sort of don't believe that that sort of stuff can happen at the moment because we've not seen anything like that. Yep. You know, that sort of majestic um, cross. And um, I didn't believe it happened at first. I thought it went the other side of the net. And then <laughs> I was like, Oh, we scored, but it was beautiful. And actually, yep. you know, Lookman, I love Lookman. He is up there in my top three players for Fulham. I really like him. Um But I just, I just thought that the pass was magnificent. Yep. Um I would have been very disappointed if he didn't score it. I'm going to say that. I think, I think it, you know, it was handed to him on a plate there. But he deserved it, and I think it. It had to be him who scored it for me because he needed that. He needed that confidence boost. Um, and I think it will do so much more now for us as a team going yep. into the right. next few games. But um it was it was thoroughly deserved. You know, we started that second half yep. so well. We went out there to win, we went out there as the big brave lions with yep. the very sharp teeth, and that was our that was our bite right there.
1: Absolutely, and I'm going to share this again from our friend Tony Gold. Second half, shackles come off, more intent and urgency, took the chance. Absolutely, yes. Tony, you're right. Yes. And I, I do want to mention I do have some comments from uh, foam supporters talking about my thoughts on uh, Man of the Match being Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Sully's, so I'll get to that when we talk about Man of the Match. I understand mm-hmm. where you're coming from. I'll, I'll read your comment when we get to Man of the Match because uh, you disagree with me. I understand that based on your comment. But I thought for 60, 65 minutes he played well. But I understand why you would not pick him for man of the match. But we'll talk about that in just a bit. Okay, let's get back and let's talk about the second half. And what's interesting, and we see this all the time, guys, Fulham score, and then you kind of have to hold your breath. You really have to hold your breath right afterwards. Claire's laughing because she knows I'm right. That they're going to give up that goal. Listen, we saw that against Burnley, you know, again – a team is very vulnerable right after you score. It, it's said time and time again. So, what happens only a few minutes later? You have Areola again. He, you know, again, great opportunity for Sheffield United. He makes a great save because if he doesn't make that save, we're talking about a, a completely different situation for Fulham. But then we have, again, we, we have a couple of other opportunities from Fulham. A decent opportunity. Again, w- listen. I I do think we need to talk a little bit more about Ola Aina. Max. We talked a little bit about him, but again, he has that in his arsenal that he can actually shoot. And seventy third minute, he forced a decent save from the goalkeeper there. And you know, again, that was a it was a fingertip save. It's a save he should make, but still, again, I want him to shoot more. And uh, you know, again, then. I, I want to go to this, guys, because I want your thoughts about this, and I want to see if you agree or disagree with Emilio from last night. Let's talk about the substitutions, okay? Max, over to you. Do you think Fulham pulled something? You know, again, do you think Scott Parker did what he would have done last season and tried to just see the match out one nil with the substitution of going to again three at the back again, going going to three center backs? Do you think he was? just trying to see the match out your view with, with that particular substitutions and the substitutions in general.
0: I agree. Yeah. That, that seems to be the strategy because I think he pulled off Magia um, kind of went without a striker for a while. And then yeah, he you put, put, put Lamina on on from, yeah. from Magia and then Tete comes on. So I shifted to the center back position. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It totally was shutting, uh, you know, setting up shop, which, Made for some very nervy moments, especially oh, when we saw the seven minutes of additional time oh. from nowhere. I don't know how, how that happened, but it happened. It made us nervous, and we really, really invited pressure. Yep. But I think Parker made the gamble, which did pay off. That Sheffield United have no shooting boots; they're at bottom for a reason, and we could withstand it, which we just about did. But I think the, the nerves, the nerves are very high. I, I could not. I couldn't stomach it and actually the match is ruined for me in a good way because here on Peacock, it's a bit of a delay, I guess, in the actual action.
1: My One son ruined friends- the ending, by yeah. the way. Good, my yeah. son we- came in and told me they won. Yeah, And there was yeah. still two minutes to yeah. go, Max. No, I was the same way. I was... Oh, I was yeah. Oh, yeah. I knew two minutes before
0: it ended. It was, it, was a, it was a 96 minute and I got a text from a friend who isn't a film fan but knows the support yeah. from He got a notification. He said, huge win today. I'm ah. like... Oh, we've done it, and it was great. But I was like, I, I still watched the last minute. It was the weirdest feeling in the world watching that last.
1: Minute. Um, I know. I felt the. It's funny you yeah. say that, Max. I felt the same way as my son Brady runs into the room and says, "Dad, you won." I'm like, "What are you talking about? There's still two minutes left." You yeah. know. You know. I was like, "Oh, but, but you know what? Yeah. Watching those last two minutes, like you said, Max." Was very weird because you knew that they were going to win, but I was still worried. I don't know yeah, why, was, uh, because
0: yeah. they had already won. But at the same time, I really didn't think it had to be that way. I'm not going to fault Parker too much because I think, it, but <laughs> we we could have just possessed the ball like we did for the first 45 minutes. We could have just kind of killed off the game by passing yep. them to death. I don't really think we had to just put uh, park the bus and invite all those crosses and situations where they could have got a goal. And honestly, I don't think they deserved a goal, but. It wouldn't have been a total smashing after they got a goal because they really had three or four good opportunities in that final twenty minutes. I feel. Okay.
1: All right. Well, let's talk about the controversy. The controversy here. (laughs) So let's talk about it now. And uh, Claire, I'll go to you. I want to. I want to get your thoughts about that because, uh, again, what's interesting when I watched it live, I didn't really. I didn't see this as a penalty. Of course, then then you see the replays and then the announcer says. That looks like a penalty to me. And I'm like, oh, no. But what was interesting, the minute he said that, the minute he said that, I guess right after that, VAR had already ruled that it wasn't. And literally, the announcer says, that looks like a penalty. Well, VAR have already said it wasn't, so so we were off the hook. But when you watched that, were you thinking, "Uh uh-oh, here we go?
2: I I mean, I, I did listen to yourself and Emilio talking about the match uh, yesterday, your, your, your post-match rundown. And, um, thank you, Claire. And it was good, actually. I do like listening thank, to you and Emilio. Thank say. you. Thank you.
1: Um,
2: but I actually didn't think it was a penalty. Okay. And i I'm at Max, you
1: already said that too, right?
2: Um, yeah. yeah I, you know, I, and I know a lot of people on your show last night were saying they thought it was a penalty. Yeah. People on Twitter were saying, I actually looked at, it for the, you know, first look, I just didn't think it was a pen. And usually I'd look at something like that and think oh, and then hold my breath until, you know, play goes on. But yeah. I, didn't. I just thought it wasn't. And I knew it wouldn't be one. And we moved on and it was quite easy for me. But the one thing I would say was, you know, it had it been and we were only one nil down. You know, it, then it was all, yeah, it would have been all those lost opportunities. Yeah.
1: The, yeah. We would have come back you know, and we would, would have we would looked have, at all that. That's a good and point. We would have
2: been talking about all of that, wouldn't we? But right? it's all the
1: fine margins, though, yeah. that, that we've talked exactly. about before. It's it's so close.
2: Exactly. But no, I mean, I, I if I was a Sheffield United fan, I would have been calling for a pen all day long, of course. If, if you know, if, if the shoe was on the other foot, I'd. Okay voice would be sore from still talking about it now <laughs> um but i didn't think it was i thought it yep. was for, for wanting to use the least technical way of saying it i thought it was fair game
1: okay okay I mean, max what what is your view of this I, again like i said when i watched the live i didn't think it was but when they showed the replay but then i kept seeing the you know, I saw Areola getting the ball, so I'm thinking, okay, it's fine. But again, it's it's uh, it's how you interpret it. What what did you think about it when you watched it?
0: Yeah, I think the ball is there to be won, and mm. if goalkeepers can't come to challenge for that ball, then I don't know what their job is. So that's the way I view it. And the huge yeah. thing was, you're right. You got the ball first. He gets the ball first, mm. and the player's there because the player has um, I don't know who it was on Jefferson United made Bogle. Bogle, sure now, it was Bogle. Bogle had every right to go for it. It was a fair 50-50 challenge, as people said in the comments. Mm-hmm. And you know, in a 50-50 challenge, someone gets there first. It wasn't a dirty play by Bogo at all, but he just got uh, came off a little worse because he got he was second best to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you help that Areola also went down injured too, because I think that changed your perception I'm just share of it.
1: Some and it and comments while we minds. talk about this.
0: Yeah, um, but I think we're very fortunate that the ref didn't go to the monitor because mm-hmm. I feel like oftentimes when the ref goes to the monitor. Oh, all yeah. like, of the West Ham United case with check the more they see it, the more they convince themselves that oh, mm. it's a pen. Mm. Um, so I was amazed at how quick that VAR check went. It was probably the quickest of Very all time. Quick. That was because- extremely yeah. quick. Yeah. Yeah. Th-
1: thank you, VAR, for that one.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think Brian, Brian Lake said earlier on in the match, VAR is his man of the match. Uh, so
1: He did. He did. I, he
2: yeah.
1: did. I wanted to find that comment because because I thought that was funny. <laughs> yep. 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 Uh, he, he, did, he did say that uh, – Brian Lake said that man of the match was Var because again, when you look at it, you know again it could have it could have gone against Fulham, but in this case, it went Fulham's way. And going back to maybe the rubber the green went Fulham's way for once because I've seen so many times that it goes against Fulham. Okay, guys, quickly let's go to man of the match because I, I do have some bonus topics at, at the end end of the show. I've already said Ruben Loftus Cheek, and I just want to go back and 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 look at the comment. Uh, from from Sully's here. and I'll share it because he said, Ruben Loftus-Cheek is no good. Surely not your man of the match. He has no assists, no goals, really dislike him as a player. Okay. Uh, I, I still see the potential in Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I think maybe that's the problem, Max, is that I look at more of the potential, but I thought for 60, 65 minutes, like I said on full-time, I thought he was excellent, mm-hmm. but I think he faded as the match went on. But you Can go many different directions on man of the match. So, who was your man of the match?
0: I'm going with Lookman, maybe a bit of the basic, obvious answer, but he's a man who provided a difference in this match that kept it from being just another nil nil. What could have been he's the one who got that cutting edge, that finishing touch. And I think it was a really good goal. I think we talked a lot about the pass, which is obviously excellent, but I think. He still had a lot to do. He still had to beat his man. He did that. He followed through, got a lucky ricochet, but he gambled on it. He didn't just give up or be weak. He was strong. He powered through. And I think the finish is purposeful in many ways. I think he saw Rams those legs and thought, if I smash his hard and low on target right right through his legs, that's a goal. So I really appreciate Lickman's, uh contribution there. And if it wasn't for him, I think we'd still be talking about next season in the championship. Honestly, that's how high the stakes were. So yep. okay, yeah, Lookman. All right. How about you,
1: Claire?
2: I'm going to cop out completely and give it to the whole team. <laughs> I think we That's played fine. confidence <laughs> in a game that, you know, you and I, Ross, we had this conversation pre-match that there was such Here's space. There's
1: a comment from Brian Lake.
2: Such pressure. Oh, <laughs> uh, there. Um, you know, there was such pressure riding on this match. It yeah. was almost, you know, a Wembley yeah. versus Huddersfield again. It was a team victory for the players to go out under that much pressure and play the way they did in, uh, you know, they really controlled the game throughout. Um, all the, the whole team. Yeah. All of them. Okay. Excellent. And co backstage.
1: Okay. Excellent stuff. Okay. All right, guys, let's go to my bonus topics. I have two of them. Let's start with this one. And I find these stats interesting. So I want to have a discussion on it. Arsenal have one loss less than Fulham. Think about that. One loss less. And Leeds United have one more. So you have to ask yourself, why? Why? You know, again, it's just an interesting – it's all about the draws. We know that, guys. But it's more than that. It's about not scoring enough goals. That, to me, what it's really about. It's really about the lack of cutting edge. I think we know this, but – I just find it interesting because I think it also tells you we're not that far off if we have similar loss totals to Leeds United and and Arsenal, Max. So I wanted to bring that up. Your thoughts on this because I'm a glass-half-full guy. This, to me, I think, believe it or not, is a positive stat because it shows me that if they start scoring the goals, we are going to go further up the table because we're not leaking goals. We are not at all, and we're not losing matches. So, what does this tell you?
0: Yeah, it tells us that this is just a team who can hang with any side in the division. That's, the question is: can we push in front of them and get our noses in front and actually win matches?
1: They can play with anyone. That's actually a great way yeah. to look at this. Can play with anyone.
0: I think. Well, um, we'll
1: see about Man City. You look
0: at Man our anything. four losses. I think in the past, you know, however, I think fifteen or twelve or so matches, we lost four. I think all of them are sent here against the Premier League top four. You know, United City. Leicester, Chelsea, or might be fifth. But I mean, we the only match we really lost recently have been to the best, best teams in the league. That's right. And that says a lot, is that we have the potential to play against anyone. It's just the question is, can we win? And if you asked me, you know, a week and a half ago, I would have said, unfortunately, no, we're close, but we're not there yet. Talk to me today, right now. I'd say yep. we've shown that ability to get wins. Um, and why not go to Sellhurst Park? And get a win, you know? Absolutely. Why not take points off Liverpool who are in free fall? Spurs Why not? In free fall, free That's my fall, you point. Know? That's what I think gives the confidence. And I think you could have said that again two weeks ago. You could have said, you know, we're in it. We can still get it. But we hadn't seen the evidence of us getting that winning momentum. Now that we've won two matches in the span of a week, I really think we could see, you know, the floodgates open.
1: It's very interesting. And I'm glad that you brought this up because I wasn't even thinking it at the time, Max. I think you nailed it better than I did. They can play with anyone. This proves they can play with anyone. Your th- thoughts, Claire, because when I looked at this, I, w- I was kind of surprised by it. I didn't realize that mm. Arsenal have, have only lost w- one less than Fulham, which I, which I find fascinating. I know Arsenal's not having the greatest season, but it's still Arsenal. And then you get, you see all the praise that Leeds United has. They've lost more matches than Fulham. So this tells me what Max just said. I know I just mentioned the lack of scoring and obviously drawing. But it also shows that they can play with anyone and they can get points off of anyone.
2: Yeah, and Max, you summarised it beautifully when you said Fulham can hang with anyone, and you're right. That is spot on, um, and it is all down to um, I think Max, you might have said it earlier. You know, having more teeth, being being a little bit more gutsy, having Josh now in front of goal. We've got Mitro, hopefully he'll find some form again at some point between now and May. Um, but, you know, we do have the teeth there and we just need to see it more. We've got the confidence, let's just get those teeth um, because we can do it. And that stat right there shows it, you know. And I do think, um, you know, there there are teams that are looking at the fixture versus Fulham and thinking, oh, Let's brace ourselves for that one. That's not going to be easy. We're no, not No, I think I
1: like, think that's yeah. a great point as well because I think teams are going to look at Fulham differently mm,
2: and yeah. give them
1: more, and give them more respect and yeah. I, I I don't think that's a bad thing. I think mm. you can take advantage of teams that don't respect you, but I think even if they respect you, I think that's actually a good thing mm. because mm. uh I think that plays into Fulham's potential that they have on the pitch. I think they have a talented squad. Mm. It's probably, you know, again it, it it's lower to mid-table talent, but again, there's some talented players out there. Mm-hmm. They can hang with anyone. I think I think they're mm-hmm. showing that, that they can hang mm-hmm. with with anyone, Claire. So mm-hmm. good stuff from you. Guys, I want to end with this because, again, I I think this is something that we're going to have to continue to watch if we're going to focus on Fulham and Newcastle United. But like I said, there are other teams. The goal difference is now six between Fulham and Newcastle United. We We actually need this to continue to – Stay where it is or grow, because if it does come up to that final match, this could be the difference. This could absolutely be the difference. I think this is a stat we need to continue to watch, the goal differential between Fulham and Newcastle United. Fulham are at minus 11. Newcastle United are at minus 17. Thank you very much, Manchester United, for your 3-1 win, because you now extended it by two more. So this is something to watch, guys, because Fulham are not leaking goals. If they're losing, they're losing close. Mm-hmm. One match that scares me is, is getting shellacked by Manchester City. Beyond that, I don't see a team really doing a number on Fulham, including Liverpool. So I think they they can keep this goal differential fairly, in my opinion, fairly in this range. That's my opinion based on how Fulham are playing defensively. Max, what are your thoughts about the goal difference? Could I be to something that – this might be difficult for Newcastle United because I think Fulham can really keep the score down and not be leaking that many goals that the goal difference could really stay consistent here.
0: It's a good point. And it's so crucial because everyone knows the 23rd of May, it's Newcastle, it Fulham, the college, that, right? This might be yeah. the difference. Yeah, and that means that all we have to do is be within touching distance of Newcastle, three points, which, it, which is a gap is currently. So people are saying all we have to do is match Newcastle United's results for the next twelve matches, and win it with with a shot, and we can just win and stay level on points, but superior goal difference. And that is something which I could see happening very much so. Yep. The only thing that that scares me about that situation is hopefully we don't have to be in that situation. We're already clear <clears throat> by then. What scares right. me is that Newcastle United parked the bus to the hundredth degree because a draw would be good enough for them to stay up, and we need to win. That's a good point. And we've shown a real you know, difficulty at breaking teams down. That's the only thing that scares me. Yep. But that's that's many months away. That's yeah, we have three months away. We have a lot of football to be played. But yeah, I mean it's great that the goal difference is superior. We have better goal difference. That's right. And I think the biggest thing now is momentum. Mm. We're on the way up, Newcastle on the way down. And it's simple as that, that we're trending upwards and they're looking over their shoulders nervously. That's right. And who what position would you rather be in? Honestly, I think I'd rather be us right now.
1: I would rather be us. I know probably others might still say Newcastle United based on stats of where the two teams are in the table. I get that, but I th- I think momentum is something, and I think Fulham have an opportunity to increase this goal differential. And I think that again I, they need to increase this buffer. Six is nice, but I want it to be more. Here's an interesting point from uh, Stefan. Does it mean we cannot take the game to a team where we can win? But can defend well against better teams to get draws. It's an interesting point. Your thoughts, Max, and then I'll get your your thoughts on that, Claire.
0: That's 100%. That's what's it. Yeah, it's, it's spot on by Stefan is that the reason we only have four wins with the teams around us, even Newcastle, have seven wins. You know, like how many wins Palace have, et cetera? They have, you know, seven or eight wins, and that's why yeah. they're above us. You know, the table doesn't lie. Yeah. It's that we can stick with teams we can't push ahead. So, yeah.
1: good point. Okay. And Claire, I'm going to share this and get your thoughts. This is from Dan Mason. Goal difference worries me because we might start playing very negative, trying to keep it. It's an interesting point. Your thoughts about the whole goal difference, Claire?
2: Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's basic rule of football, isn't it? You got to score goals to win games and, um, that's basically what we've got to do and hopefully not just by your one nils, but let's start cranking them up to your two nils because that's yep. the only way I think that we're going to really feel safe. But I think it's also worth noting that there's we're not that far behind quite a few teams right now.
1: I know. I know and someone just,
2: talking about just new message that. Field you know but there's other teams around us that if we start winning and they drop some points then you know this whole newcastle fulham thing could then be uh, you know we're talking about a two or three or four teams
1: could be Brighton and burnley
2: but but i i do think that um you know we've got that belief we've we're building that momentum that confidence i think there's no reason why we can't start scoring you know a couple of goals again um, you oh, know, I like that. <laughs> but I, I'm so confident with our defence right now, and yep. I, I, you know, that's it's been a long time since I've been able to say that. <laughs> um, it really has, and and you know, our, our defence, I would say, is is solid and touch wood, it will remain that way. Yep. Um. So so it is. It's just focusing on on those on those goals and not just focusing on one stat or two stats. We just need to go out there and try and win every game we can. So we're not looking at goal difference. See,
1: I I agree with you.
2: I I totally
1: agree with you. And what's interesting, this goes back to our former topic that we just talked about. Fulham can play with anyone. So Mm. I'll say it again. Why can't they beat Tottenham at home? Why can't Mm -hmm. they? Why can't they beat Leeds United? Why can't they go to Aston Villa and win? Mm -hmm. We think that they can get a, a point from there. Why can't they win it? They've already yep. done it at Everton. Why can't they go to Villa Park and Absolutely. win that match? There's no reason why they cannot. Yeah. And I think us as fans, we need to, you know, I, I shouldn't say need to. We we should also consider the fact that it's a different type of season. They're really the home and away advantage is really thrown out the window because of the pandemic and not mm. being fans. So it really comes down to who's better on their day. So yeah. if Fulham are better on their day, they can go to Villa Park and win. They've already shown that at Everton. If there's a full house at Goodison Park to Fulham win that match, I would like to think so, but I think it's a factor. I think this is all a factor. So, again, it's a level playing field without supporters there. And -hmm. I think that, believe it or not, I think that actually helps Fulham in some ways. Mm -hmm. I think it hurts them at home because I think Fulham really benefit from the Craven Cottage support, uh, the, the support they get at Craven Cottage. We saw that against Liverpool. Let's hope fans, the possibility that fans could be allowed at the end of the season, that would certainly be great against Newcastle United. Let's just, you know, we'll see how that all plays out, and let's just hope everyone stays safe and we get through this pandemic together. I just want to mention that. That's the most important thing, staying safe. I don't want fans going back until it is safe to do so. Guys, we went way over. Great show. Optimus Max is back I'm telling you, I can finish the show with a huge smile on my face.
0: <laughs> Same, Ross. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's what winning does. It's that winning mentality, and long may it continue. There's so oh, long way to go. Let's let's not get too I know, happy, I, right? know happy. I know, I know, I know. We
1: have know. to win probably
0: five. I know, more
1: I know. You got to put me back down. I know.
0: Got to win five more matches, <laughs> and we won four in, in the first twenty twenty-five. So it's not going to be an easy task, but we have something to hold on to, and we have hope, and that's that's all we can ask for.
1: Is At, so. We 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 certainly have hope. And every time I talk to Claire, I always have hope. And uh, Claire, Claire, you know, you and I are very similar with our beliefs. I know you have hope.
2: Oh, 100%. And Russ, you know, I I'll just share this again because I was saying, I was saying Max to Russ yesterday, what Parker needs to do is before every game now, just play one of those wonderful, great escape, um, yeah. 2008. Um, she said that from YouTube. He just needs to whack that on say there you go guys go out and do your thing cuz those videos on YouTube are phenomenal oh, they're, they're,
1: they're unbel- unbe- I can I, I, I can really watch it. them all day absolutely
2: can, you absolutely. know
1: and, and what's great about it is that they're very inspiring because they show mm. you what potentially can be and absolutely. they show you that you're never you know again I shouldn't say never but you always have a chance until mm-hmm. you're Eliminated. You always have an opportunity. You can you you can get that close to being eliminated, but as long as you have a chance, you need to keep fighting. And that team fought to the bitter end. And thank you, Danny Murphy, at the very end for his goal of Portsmouth. And the rest is history. It can happen. Let's hope it doesn't even come down to that. That Fulham continue to win. And uh, you, you, like I said, you never know. This is a strange season. I, I you know, again they beat Everton. I, I keep going back to they beat Everton. They beat Everton at Goodison Park. Anything is possible. All right. Great show, guys, but it's getting very late for Claire, so we have to wrap this up. (laughs) For Claire and Max, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you, as always, for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute, and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDucket share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.
0: This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.